listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IPM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thank you to everyone for joining us for First Friday Q&A for April. Paige, where you been? So, I know that sounded pretty breathy and stuff, but I've been pretty under the weather. Sinus infection, upper respiratory infection, and pneumonia. Aside, yeah, pneumonia. So. so, where have we gotten this world when we found out that you had pneumonia? We all went, thank God, it's just it's, pneumonia. Yeah, not corona. <laughs> yeah. So, people, I know we missed like, a couple of weeks. Paige yeah. was, was out extremely sick she's still not 100 percent, but no. because she's the trooper that she is she's sitting here all matted up on the mic getting the show out yep yep and speaking of getting the show out you know what else we have that's new we have a new podcast that we, we just do. launched yeah so if you listen to this show or any of our other shows at the end you hear savannah with our events on deck well everybody loved her events on deck so much it was time for her to have her own show so savannah wilson is now the host of OGGN news which is a very short weekly show about what's going on in OGGN and also some of the other news stuff that you won't find anywhere else. So right. if you haven't tuned into her show, if you haven't subscribed, go subscribe right now. It's a very short listen, very quick. It's entertaining, fun, valuable. And then, you know, once again, how cool is it that our events on deck producer person now has her own show? That's Our executive growth. producer, I know. <laughs> exactly. So good stuff. And actually, we did not get any reviews, which is weird. Uh, well, no, it happens. It happens. And we also, which is almost equally as weird, we didn't get a question this month from Ludwig. <laughs> that never happens. Him and I traded emails and tweets for a while about what's going on in, with Russia and the Ukraine. Would have thought we would have got a question out of that. But like you said, this is First Friday Q&A. Paige may not be able to read all the questions. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll stick start? To the, yeah, I'll stick with the shorter ones and I'll okay. let you take the long ones. First one is from Colin. New to not only the podcast, but also the oil and gas industry and investing, but love it so far. This may have been answered before, but I'm wondering if you can explain why the price of WTI will go up, but the USO stock doesn't seem to mirror it. Some days WTI will go up, but USO shares are down on the day. Thanks for everything you guys do. Okay, people, as usual, do not take any investing advice from me, and I'm probably going to have to stumble through this a little bit. USO is the United States Oil Fund. Both USO is an electronically traded fund, ETF, just like the ETFs for WTI. And the reason that USO has different rates than WTI, it's different exposure. So remember the WTI EFT is front month futures contracts, and you're guessing what those are. The USO is almost like, think of it almost like an, an average. It will deviate from the WTI front month contracts because it's more of a rolling average month to month than what the actual WTI is. So they'll never match up completely, although they should trend in the same direction, just not at the same time. So hopefully that answers your question, Colin. If not, I know we have a bunch of people listen to the show that can go way deeper on those type of trading contracts than I can. But that's basically the difference is they don't mirror each other. The WTI ETFs are take a little bit less time and effort to manage. The way to make money with USOs, you spend more time managing, almost almost like day-to-day type of day trading. So it's just, they're two different things kind of tied to the same physical commodity. All right, so next question is from Scott, and he wants to know, when do y'all think drilling will pick up in Louisiana? 
Well, Scott, guess what? It's picking up literally today. (laughs) (laughs) So we're up about 1% with new rigs in in Louisiana right now. We're up in production about 8%. What is is, that in the the North uh, Parishes? Yeah, the Haines and the, shoot. What's the Haines and the, the Chalk? Austin Chalk. Austin Chalk, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I think the other one's Cotton Valley. Yeah, so so it's it's starting to go up. You know, as long as these WTI prices here in the U.S. stay above $53, $54, which they've done it all year this year, knock on wood, you're going to see drilling continue to pick back up. The thing, of course, is our current political administration, perception-wise, originally and now, and actually a lot of executive actions may actually impact that. But it's picking up now, Scott, and it should continue to pick back up, barring you know something politically, something political that may may curtail that. So just keep your fingers crossed. All right, you can get the next one because it's pretty long. Oh, cool. So this is Sid. Sid says this is not a question. Well, Sid, why did you send it in the first Friday Q and A? And I know why. Actually, it's not a question. I'm looking for a shout out. If this is not something you guys do or want to do, I completely understand or rec- respect your decision. Sid's a young entrepreneur, and he's just trying to get more people to be exposed to what is he's doing. He's a junior drilling engineer with a small engineering firm. He's 27 years old. He's in Alaska. And you know what he did? Hmm. He published his first mobile app to the Google Play Store. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Now, he doesn't tell me if he actually slung code himself, but it doesn't matter either way. So, audience, if you want to go check it out, it, and it's basically a field calculator for drilling professionals, you know how much that stuff's done in your in your little notebook and pencil in your back pocket. Uh, go check it out. It's called Rig Buddy, and it's spelled R-I-G-B-U-D-D-I. Oh, cool. Now, audience, we will not promote your stuff on this show. The only <laughs> reason that we did this for Sid is because he's young. He was very honest and open. And what the heck? You know, if, if he developed an app that might be useful to people out there, we'll give him a little bit of exposure. So there you go, Sid. There's your shout out. All right. So the next one's from Anthony Dixon, and he's a senior analyst at the California Energy Commission. It seems like a, he's written in before. It sounds familiar. I'm an economic modeler of natural gas for California. I use Deloitte Market Builder software to model wholesale prices of natural gas throughout North America. Further, I have built other models and take the hub price and add transportation rates to get to an end-user rate in California and for power generation throughout the WECC. After that long-winded intro, I'm trying to get out of California. (laughs) Don't blame you. I am wondering what jobs in oil and gas would be viable for me. I have visited Houston a few times for training with PHS and DTN and loved it. Looking forward for recommendations. Love the show. So, Anthony, with that type of background, doing that type of modeling, you know, I wouldn't go look at an oil and gas company at first. I'd reach out to one of our sponsors, actually, Neverus. I'd also reach out to Rystand Energy, IHS Market Kit, Metro Group, and International Energy Agency. So, it's a Neverus. A Rystand Energy, IHS Market Kit, Metro Group, and International Energy Agency. Those are all companies that do a lot of deep modeling for their clients, and their clients often are the big oil and gas companies. And Anthony would be a great place to get out of California using your experience and your expertise to learn more about the industry, do good work, get paid pretty well. And then later, after you had a couple of years of experience doing that, if you want to go do something else, you can. That's probably the easiest, quickest way. And they're all hiring right now. Quickest way for you to actually get in the, in the energy industry. So hopefully, Anthony, it helps you out. All right. So next question is from Richard. He's a project manager at Marathon. And he asked, Paige, what's going on with the changing regulations of flaring at the well site in Texas? Really great show, by the way. And there's three house bills right now sitting in the Texas House of 
representatives. It looks like one of the bigger ones, House Bill number 1913, is adding a gas capture plan to permitting, basically. So it's going to take a little longer for you to get anything approved. And I'm pretty sure this, yeah, the commission may not use a permit to drill deep and plug back or ran or an oil and gas well unless the applicant submits the application with a gas capture plan to minimize flaring from the well. So Paige, does that mean basically somewhere near very future here in Texas that you have to have a plan to do something with that gas? Yeah, if this goes through Senate and then the governor signs off on it, yeah, that's okay. what will happen. The other two bills aren't too... One is specifically elimination of routine flaring. That's House Bill 1452. And I don't know where we are, and I think everybody just started to meet back up yeah. for the sesh. And then the other one, it's just to for the commission to conduct a study to assess the feasibility and barriers of the operators. So what's routine flaring is, I guess, I guess flaring on the upstream side of the house is routine all the time. It's different in a refinery when, when it flares or something. Yeah. Wrong but I on. almost feel like this is, no, this is routine flaring of gas from the well or other facilities regulated by the railroad commission. So that's awfully vague language, routine flaring. I'm, well, it's a very small bill. What it says is the commission by rules shall establish a policy to eliminate before December 31st, 2025, the routine flaring of gas from the well or other facilities regulated by the commission. The policy may include regulatory incentive-based or voluntary approaches for achieving the goals of the policy and interim goals for individual wells or other facilities for operators of wells or other facilities. Except as provided by subsection D, the policy must also allow flaring for safety or emergency purposes. Oh my God, I just got it. It's literally saying they're going to get rid of what you and I just call flaring. Yeah. Like normal everyday yeah. flaring by 2025. Yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good job, Paige. <laughs> you know, who was it that wrote the question, Richard? Richard, we just happened to have a regulatory expert on this <laughs> That's why you asked me. Gas podcast in the world. <laughs> Bring it, people. <laughs> no, don't try to stop me. I mean, I don't always know the answer. This actually took me a little while to figure out what was going on exactly. So, I mean, I even, <laughs> Mark makes fun of this, fun of me for this, but I like paper. I like to read my stuff on paper so I can make notes. I have it in hand and I can compare and contrast with other stuff. But I, <laughs> I totally printed out the Texas Administrative Code. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing that we're starting to, OGG and starting to plant trees for a carbon offset program. And also, I guess it offsets your paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and if anybody wants to look further into this and what the rules actually are currently with gas well and gas and casing well gas and how it's utilized for legal purposes, it's Title 16 of Economic Regulation, Part 1 of the Railroad Commission of Texas, Chapter 3, Oil and Gas Division. It's rule... 3.32. So Richard's all happy right now. He's cutting cartwheels and the rest of our audience are sleeping. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no, that was good. That's actually a good thing to know that we're going to literally get rid of flaring. Well, I mean, it's in the House, so, so it hasn't been decided. It still has to go through the Senate and the governor still has to, you know, sign off. So that's, you know, democracy. All What's right. next? I don't know. Your turn. I just My talked turn. a lot. Yeah. This one's from Daria Womack. I think uh, it's Daria. Daria Womack. She's a digital director at Luke Oil. Guys, your chemistry on the mic is incredible. Thank you. I think I would listen to you banter back and forth on almost any subject. It's because you've never heard us argue. Um, <laughs> the fact that you're talking about our industry just makes it that much better. One small ask. Can we try and get back to weekly releases? Just saying, smiley face. We're working on it. Yeah, All especially right. since I've been sick. Here's the question. How will the rollout of 5G impact the oil and gas industry? Love what you are doing. Please keep it up. 
Whew. So 5G, no matter what all the major carriers are splashing all over TV and, and across any social media platform you pop up, 5G is just in its infancy and rolling out. The issue with 5G is that the frequency is so high that you, you don't get very much penetration. And so the cell sites themselves have to be much, much, much closer together, much denser. And so it's just a lot of infrastructure to build. But it's it's happening. Now, the benefits of the oil and gas industry, once 5G is completely rolled out and you have that coverage, it's really interesting. So first thing, all this data and big data analytics that's going on out in the field right now, and a lot of it's using something called edge computing because they don't have the bandwidth to bring all that data from the well site to the cloud. So what they do is they do the computing literally at the well site. It's called edge computing. And the processing there gets rid of all the data that they think they don't need and only lets the data they think they need out to save bandwidth. Once we have 5G, that's not going to be an issue. And that a lot of that data that's not the exception in an edge compute environment is super valuable when it's big and when it's clean. But right now, we can't run analytics on that because we're not doing anything with it. So that's the first thing. But it also is going to roll out the stuff you've never even thought of. So you know, I'm not sure how much we're going to go back to normal in the oil and gas industry as far as cube farms and you know 40 floors on a building. But we'll get somewhere back there. Well, when we get back to having normal office environments, all of a sudden, you don't have to wire your building with CAT6 cable or CAT5 cable because the 5G is faster than the actual CAT5 cable you would run inside your building. That's going to eliminate a lot of IT infrastructure, and it's going to roll a lot of that internal IT infrastructure out to the carriers, including, unfortunately, some jobs. But we'll have much better security, much better cybersecurity, much better failover, much better disaster recovery because the carrier doesn't ever want to go down. And I got my start actually working for a carrier before there was wireless, when it was still wires. So I, I know how that works. I watched it happen when, when I was in my career. The other thing is, all of a sudden, with that type of connectivity everywhere, you're going to be able to do things on a handheld device, on your iPhone or Android device, whatever, that is going to be incredible augmented reality, real-time geospatial type of stuff. So you can see a lot more of that processing power take place in the cloud, not on your device, because you have enough bandwidth to do that sort of stuff. So it's coming. I've been waiting for it to come forever. I just a little aggravated the carriers make it sound like it's here already. And there's probably, I don't know, a dozen places in the U.S. right now. Houston's one of them that you can actually really get 5G coverage. Yeah, and, if you go buy a new, brand new stinking phone. Well, and then AT&T, who I, I love you, but what's, what's, what's this 5GE on my iPhone? It's really not 5G, right? It's still 4G LTE that you've sped up a little bit and you're, and you're using marketing to make it sound like it's 5G because it's not. Other than that, 5G is going to be a boom for our industry. And I'm, I've been waiting for you to get here. The other thing that's going to happen, Daria, is you can see private 5G networks a lot out in the fields, out in West Texas. It makes sense for, say, an operator or service company to build their own 5G network for their well sites, or their pad sites, or their refinery, or their pipelines, or whatever, and then use a public backhaul to bring it back to, to basically the public internet. So you see a you see a bunch of small private carrier infrastructure companies spring up. We actually know a couple of, a couple of them here in Houston, but you see more and more of that growth. So it's going to be another type of business that will be stood up inside of the oil and gas industry because of technology, which is just more jobs. So hope that answers your question. All right, so the next one is from Craig Jennings, which is a retired Marine. It says, Mark Simplify MF, can't say it on there. <laughs> Quick question, I'm not complaining at all, but I am curious. Why does the oil and gas industry love those that have served so damn much? I think it's a great plus. We all have written our blood type on our boots at some point. Thanks, Devil. 
Simplified, Craig, the <laughs> blood type on the boots, boy, that is old school. What's sad is now a lot of the young soldiers out there, a lot of young Marines and airmen, sailmen, especially the ones that are going to see active duty, get it tattooed under their armpit. The reason you, the reason you do that is yeah. because if something bad happens, you want the medics to immediately know what your blood type is. And yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's just part of that job. But to answer your question, Craig, you know, especially when you look at a lot of the stuff that the oil and gas industry does, a lot of it tends to be dangerous. I mean, basically, we're taking something that is flammable, that's under pressure, and we're moving it, we're drilling into the ground and moving around, and then we're boiling it, right? So a lot of danger in there. And, and anytime there's a dangerous situation, uh, process and procedure rules. And it's a, that's why the oil and gas industry loves the military, is because we all understand how to follow process and procedure. You know this, Craig, when, when, hits the fan, everybody has a job to do. And if they don't do it, somebody else could get hurt or unfortunately maybe even lose their life because somebody didn't do their job. And so that's why the oil and gas entry loves people that, that have served is the fact that they know they can follow process and procedure. And they also know that when something hits the fan that we're not going to freak out and we're going to do what we're supposed to do. There's also another patriotic layer in there. The oil and gas industry loves here in the U.S., loves their country, loves the people that are served. And if, and if they can help get you know, somebody transition from the military life to civilian life, it makes it's it's a good thing for everybody. So part of it is also just being good stewards of our local communities. But the biggest part is the fact that that we can perform under pressure. So hopefully Craig answer your question. And by the way, brother, if you're out looking for a job, reach out to me personally and see if I can help you out. So do you have a tattoo in your armpit? No. Okay. That's kind of newer. What he's talking about is literally you would write your blood type oh, on you your were... boots. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, so next question is from Benjamin, field service at Compass Instruments. Hey, Mark and Paige, love the show. Y'all produce great content. In 2017, I've been engulfing myself in oil and gas information when I started as a field tech for fuels, lubes, and material instrumentation. The oil and gas industry provides unique challenges and is diversified with great people. It's frequently brought up that as an industry, we need to spread accurate information to better inform individuals of the positives the oil and gas industry does for the environment and communities. Outside of OGGN, I'm curious why we don't see more organizations producing commercials or online campaigns spreading the facts about the oil and gas industry. Maybe they already do this and I just don't see it. Man, you've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. So to answer, we didn't get his name, did we? Yeah, it's Benjamin. Oh, it's Benjamin. Okay. So to answer your question, Benjamin, we used to do as an industry a lot of big campaigns, a lot of high production value, Super Bowl ad, Hollywood style of stuff. And what happens is, quite honestly, it does not work. And so when social media came online about, say, 15 years ago, what happened is now one person can have the ears of thousands or hundreds of thousands, right? And so in order to get the facts out there, we have to actually get away from sort of some of the stuff that you're talking about, these big, heavy-handed, expensive productions, because the moment you know it, some 20-year-old sees that, they automatically discount it as all-gas marketing fluff, right? What we really need to do is allow our people to talk to their neighbors, you know, allow our people to go to schools, allow our people to share information about what this industry does for the planet and for mankind. And the way to do that is a grassroots movement. And so OGGN, it's literally built into our core competencies is that we are out there trying to get spread the 
good news of the oil and gas industry, not politics, not opinion, but just facts. And we're doing it in a way that's almost story-like so people can learn while they consume the con- the content we put out. We just launched our ESG show around this exact thing right. because nobody is telling the good stories of our industry. And damn it, we're going to do it. Which, by the way, that's our fastest growing podcast ever. They have went from zero to a million in, I'm exaggerating, they're not at a million down Yeah, there. obviously. You're ex- <laughs> but to 3,000 unbelievably quickly. And that tells me that have a lot of people have a, of interest in ESG. So, Thomas, I'm not quite sure if that helps answer your question. You're going to see more and more of that sort of stuff. We're actually right now heavily recruiting to amplify our ESG podcast message. If you're a big company out there that is an oil and gas company or that works in the oil and gas industry and you see this negative public perception that is something that you would like to try to fight, let me know because we're looking for funding so we can take our ESG podcast crew and our camera crew and send them all over the world and actually document the good stuff that our industry is doing and let the public see it with their own eyes. The other thing that's happened too, Benjamin, is for years, the big oil and gas companies relied on industry organizations to do this sort of PR stuff for them. Think of API, think of SPE, all that sort of stuff. And then once again, you know, the messaging that the industry organizations put out there are too perfect. They're too easy to associate with big oil. They're they're too overproduced, too Hollywood hype. You know, I'd rather see a young woman petroleum engineer in the Middle East, pull her cell phone out and shoot a video of how they're t- making sure they don't spill anything and everybody's safe and, and throw that on YouTube. That will move the needle more than having a three-minute Super Bowl commercial. But we're getting there. And by the way, Benjamin, if, if you want to help us <laughs> help spread the word, you're doing it exactly the right way by listening to our show and, and letting other people know that it's what's worth listening to. So we appreciate you as a listener. All right. So final question is from D. Henry, sales at Aftermarket. I have read and heard that New Mexico has mostly federal land and the new administration is going to block development and production on federal land moving forward. Is this correct? Will this mean the Texas side for oil and gas will do better through 2021 since New Mexico may be slowed by the government oversight? What's dangerous about this, Mark, is the amount of royalties they New Mexico receives is a third of their budget. Yep. So... To answer your question to Henry, yes, it's it's already happening and it will happen. It's not an if, it's it's how long it's going to take for everybody to move operations to the Texas side. You know, it's a damn shame the Permian is such a wealth of natural resources for the United States, actually for the world. And having our current administration put measures in place that makes it uneconomical or impossible to operate is just wrong. And so you're spot on, though. It's literally in the Permian. You know, people are moving from New Mexico because of the federal restrictions to the Texas side. Now, as a Texan, it makes me happy, but as an American, it doesn't. So, you know, I just really hope that this administration, current administration we have here in the U.S., sticks to more of its moderate roots that it used to win this election, that it campaigned on, right? We don't need further restrictions on in our industry after coming out of 2020. We're, we're, we, we came out of 2020 just barely hanging on. And we could get through this, and, and people don't get scared. The, the oil and gas industry will never go away. But what can happen is if we if we let it is that our politics can drive the prices up to the point that it's more expensive to use hydrocarbons. And that's not going to affect the middle class and wealthy so much, but it will absolutely affect the lower class people immensely. So, But, it, but D. Henry, it's already happening. Companies are moving their, their operations to the Texas side for this exact reason. Let's hope that – and I've seen some positive stuff in the new Mexican government that that is – talk at this point. It's not it's not law yet, but I've seen some positive stuff where I think the actual governor it's it's a female governor, is it? In yeah. Her name is Grissom. 
Yeah, she's actually proposing something with this full support of her legislature to actually do an in run around the federal government and actually pass a state law to make it illegal for the federal government. Which I think we already did here in Texas. Yeah, which we already did in Texas. So let's keep our eye on this. You know, I don't, this should not be a battle in the courts. This should be economics, right? If it makes money to drill and produce, let's drill and produce and make jobs and tax revenue and all that stuff. And if it doesn't make sense, let's not worry about it. But this is this is not good for, for New Mexico, at least today. Yeah, because I went and looked at a map just to see what was federal lands and stuff. It's amazing. It is much, amazing. How much between BLM and tribal and all that stuff. I saw most of it in the north part of the state and the very, very bottom of the state, but not so much towards the Permian. So, But it's on the outside of it, though. Well, the other thing, though, is it's not just the, the operators and the service companies that in New Mexico there lose money. Think of the hotels, the restaurants, you know, the hotshot companies, Burger King, right? The bars, all that stuff is, is going to be negatively impacted by this. Yeah, because I mean, someone named Guessing said either massive cuts to programs like K through 12 education or massive tax increases are possible. Or both. Or both. Yeah. Either way, it's not a good situation for not me at all. in Mexico. So. All right. So that was our last question on to our IBM shirt giveaway. If you haven't heard about this and how the heck could you be listening to this show and not have heard of this, but we give away this really awesome shirt has a, a pump jack print on the front, our logo on one shoulder, IBM's logo on the other sh- shoulder, and a unique serial number about where the breast pocket would be if it had a breast pocket, but it doesn't. And that number is super, super valuable. And we you get a chance to win one every week. And if you don't win one, just enter again and you can take a chance every week to win one. But Paige, you know what? Hmm. So I'm really plugged in with IBM now. Big shout out to Jason Duff and his whole gang out there. But we're going to put together a live event here soon for our shirt winners. Oh, So what neat. you're going to hear shirt winners is at some point we're going to reach out to you because we have your email address and you'll also hear it on the show. And we're going to say on this date, we're going to buy you a nice dinner, buy you some drinks in a private event. And we're going to get together and we're going to talk about some of the stuff that IBM's doing in the industry. But we're also going to talk about other things that are going on in the industry. It's not going to be a, a road show or a lunch and learn for IBM. It's just they're going to bring their oil and gas expertise to the table. And we're going to have a good time. So if you haven't won a sh- shirt yet, your butt better start registering every week and try to win one. And if you don't have a shirt, if we don't f- sell out with the people that have shirts, we're going to then open it up to our listeners. So you'll probably get a chance to go anyway. But if we do open it up to our listeners and we have a mix of shirt winners and listeners, we're going to do something special for our shirt winners. We're going to give them something cool. IBM's already said they'll, they'll take care of it. Awesome. Yeah. So go register for the shirt. And speaking of go register for the shirt. That was awful. I know. <laughs> what's our weekly rig count all right so the united states is at 432 so we're up two from last week canada is at 58 down 11 internationally we're up 14 so a total of 715 rigs internationally great place to be but much better it was last year at this time amen to that speaking of amen big amen to brian mon for taking over the street team warren did an excellent job because honestly i did a horrible job for years warren brought it up to the next level warren has gotten busy with other stuff and the street team has grown brian mon has graciously stepped in to help run that if you haven't joined go join it's on linkedin we have committees we have group leaders we got cool swag coming. We're turning this into a machine. And at some point, it's it's going to be bigger and better 
and batted than than even I would have ever imagined. So just big thank you to Brian for taking over the team. And also big thank you for all the members of the street team. You know, we appreciate you volunteer and, and we don't ask for much an hour's worth of work a, a month. And if you don't want to do that, you can also be, what do we call it? Just a follower, right? Mm-hmm. So you can actually join the street team, and not have to do anything. So there's no reason not to join. Go join right now. And then while you're on LinkedIn, just look for OGGN and sign up for everything that pops up. As long as it's ours, there is another OGGN out there. We got to figure out what they're doing to see if we. I can don't buy know. I'm them. just trying to figure out all these people that claim to work for us. <laughs> That's a different episode for another day. Yeah, no kidding. Um, if you want to know what's going on, go check out the OGGN website. It's actually looking pretty spiffy. We have all our podcasts up there. The podcasts that are launching soon. We have all our live streams. We are journalists. Stephen Forrester. Stephen Forrester is doing some incredible writing. I mean, just incredible writing on our blog. We have our Vantage application app coming out pretty soon for our, our sponsorship community. So just a bunch of new stuff, but you can find it everything we're doing on the OGG.com website. Or listen to OGGN News. And- or listen to OGGN News. Good, good one. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. And then if you want me or any of our experts at OGGN to come speak at your event, I was just at Phillips 66. Was it last week or week before? I had a great time out there. Let me know. We can do everything from deep dive into drilling fluids to entertaining your sales and marketing kickoff and everything else in between. So just let us know things are starting to open back up. We can do it virtually, but we also can do it in person. We can even bring a podcast to your event, which is always a blast. That's usually my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Everybody loves when we bring a podcast to to an event. Yeah, And then, you know, like I said, this is first Friday Q and a, if you have a question, please submit it, go to the website. The goal is not to stump page and I, the goal is to help educate our audience. All right, Paige, I can tell you don't feel good. You ready to get out of here? Yeah, I want to go take a nap. Yeah. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for April 2021. This month, we have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the Spring Pitch Party focused on clean tech. It'll be hosted at the Canon on April 6th. Next, we have our two online events, the University of Houston PES Career Fair on April 8th and the CSPG GeoWomen eTalk on April 20th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information about any of the live streams or events we have coming up. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for April. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.